Hi there. Welcome to the Beam podcast from Super League. My name is Matt Edelman. I'm the president and chief commercial officer, and I am here to tell you what it takes to be successful in the immersive web, along with fantastic experts, smart executives, and key strategists who are helping brands around the world enter this increasingly important space. Our job at this company is to help brands get into the immersive web in impactful ways. We have to help them think about what to build, where to build, how to engage their audiences. How do you amplify the presence you create? And what about measuring your results? All of these are key ingredients to being successful in engaging today's younger demographics. And we're excited to be able to bring experts to you to help answer the questions and provide successful outcomes based on the strategies that they're pursuing and recommending. Today, I am really proud to have as our very first guest on our inaugural episode, Josh Newman. Josh is the co-founder and CEO of a terrific developer in the Roblox space named Melon. Melon recently merged into Super League. We were very proud to bring the two companies together. And Josh is now the president of entertainment here at Super League, working alongside me and others to really bring brands who are especially focused on how to tell stories in these immersive spaces, because entertainment is about engaging people through narratives. So Josh brings a wonderful level of expertise to Super League, and I can't wait for you to hear him share some of his thoughts, and hopefully we'll provide you with a pretty engaged discussion. Josh, welcome. Honored to be here. Thank you, Matt. I guess it would be great to get started a little bit with just hearing about how you found yourself getting into Roblox and what it was that excited you. Why did you sort of transition your prior focus as a, as a successful executive in the entertainment and media space into this emerging space? I totally stumbled into it. I spent the majority of my career in the music industry, uh, starting off as a manager and by default, having that job sort of forces you to become entrepreneurial for your clients. And I also did for myself and our company. So I've always been really drawn to the intersection of technology and brands and content and how they relate to audience. So I've had a lot of experience in working with our artists at different levels and building different businesses in the music space, ranging from creative agency that help brands navigate the music artist space, as well as creating a content vertical under Vice Media, where we built the leading editorial voice in electronic dance music. I've started Crush Management, where I discovered Fallout Boy co-founded Complete Control Management, where I managed Tiesto for about six years. And after Vice acquired us, I co-founded 88 Rising with an incredibly brilliant Asian American executive named Sean Miyashiro. And we built that up from the very first brick to where it is now. So I've always loved verticalizing entertainment properties from content through the line. During COVID, being at home with my two kids that are now 10 and 12, they were in the zeitgeist of being quarantined and trying to figure out how they were going to communicate with their friends. 
And as a family, we were open to any solutions possible. <laughs> you needed it. Everybody needed it. Yeah. And what I ended up seeing happening with my kids, and we probably like anyone that had children in that age range, was like all of a sudden they had gravitated toward these social gaming platforms. And it was a pretty wide range in my house. At the time, I guess they were eight and 10. So Animal Crossing on the console side, and then in the more internet-based digital space, all of these different platforms ranging from Minecraft, which I thought was really educational and was sort of teaching kids coding, whether they knew it or not. So basically it was okay. Minecraft was permissible from the standpoint of, hey, wait a second, are my kids playing games too often? It was definitely on the better end of it, but also like Animal Crossing had like some really great moral community building, like, hey, I'll, I'm going to come to your island and help you build in your space and come to mine. And there's a lot of creativity and collaboration. So all of them, I think, had their pros and cons. They all required me to spend a lot of money, which... <laughs> I was finding interesting. It was like, where is this money going anyway? And Fortnite was a little bit older skewing, as was Valorant and a few others. But Roblox became the platform of choice for my kids and their community of friends. And what I quickly realized was that not only was my kid on it and his friends, but every single kid and their parents that I talked to. They were, it was all sort of happening at the same time. And if you didn't have a kid in that age range, I could have very easily completely missed it in 2020. And I became very interested in what is this platform, particularly Roblox, because it was such a seemingly blank palette to be able to develop on. Whereas Minecraft is like one platform, you can build in it, but you're kind of limited to the environment they created. Sorry to interrupt. I didn't want to lose the moment that seemed to be almost an epiphany for you where all the things that you were viewing, that you were observing, culminated inside Roblox as a place where players could invite each other, they could create, they were connecting, and in a real meaningful way at a time when communication was otherwise limited, they were communicating. They were socializing. And so it sounds like, whereas maybe in your earlier life, you enjoyed all the connection and communication that might happen at a concert or a music event. Now you were seeing the real world impact of digital environments that effectively have been changing consumer behavior and accelerated the pace of change because everybody was stuck at home. I guess that is a bit of an epiphany. And here you are coming out of that realization and you're introduced to people in the industry. And, and I guess that is that what led you to really make a commitment professionally to Roblox? I started to do a deeper dive into the space and it was very basic at first. And I was like, well, where are people that build in this world aggregate to talk to each other. And I started to go on Roblox developer forums, which was really funny. I was probably asking questions from like, you know, 12 year olds who had amazing, like the answers would range, you know, drastically. But I also was lucky enough to get connected to some fairly senior people at Roblox. And by then I had a bunch of questions. It was like, okay, so how does one actually build something on here? I see lots of games that my kids are bouncing around in, and I'm also giving my kids tons of money. Where is it going? 
I really didn't know anything about it. And coming from the world that I was in, I was like, well, it seems like every kid in the planet is on this thing. So where's all the music? Where's all the, you know, recognizable entertainment? And where are the brands? Surely they must know a lot more than I do about this. Like, is it expensive to build on this platform? And like, do you guys just, can I just meet you at Roblox and you can build something for me? Like, how does the whole thing work? It was really like, I was probably wasting a tremendous amount of their time, but they were very gracious with me. (laughs) Well, I think for quite some time and even today, they still seem like they have pretty grand aspirations. And while they've achieved more than any other immersive platform in my view, on the planet, they haven't really gotten where they ultimately want to be. And I think, you know, one of the ways they explain that in our conversations is they want every brand to be on Roblox. So if you were encountering a group of people who had that goal and you were coming in saying, I think I might be able to bring some remarkable entertainment brands and intellectual property owners into this space, I'm not surprised they spent their time with you. I don't think they looked at it as a waste. It was very much appreciated on my end. And it it did lead me to understanding how the platform does work in that they actually just build the toolbox and it's the developer that actually has to build the experiences, which I thought was fascinating. They walked me through their system of monetization and I left with a feeling that there was a massive opportunity to bring relationships that I had to learn about what I had just found out about. And wouldn't it be amazing if music experiences and sports properties and brands with youth culture and pop culture leanings would start to explore what what you could do here? Because really, there was almost none of it in mid to late 2020. The only problem was I don't know how to build anything. So that was definitely like a substantial barrier to entry and certainly like a good place to potentially stop the journey. Right. Sounds like an obstacle you had to overcome pretty quickly if you were going to bring some of those capabilities to bear. Yeah. But again, Roblox sort of walked me through that process and introduced me to a bunch of developers that they trusted and that they thought were really capable of growing alongside their platform. And I ended up meeting a bunch of developers and one of them happened to be Melon, who were a bunch of 23 to 25-year-old developers who had originally started off building on Minecraft servers in high school. And then they pivoted to Roblox a couple years later and had three, four years of experience dedicated to building on the Roblox platform. Let me stop you there because I want to touch upon the Roblox creator community. Your journey from being a highly accomplished executive in the music space to deciding that Roblox was a place you wanted to focus your attention makes a lot of sense in that you were helping intellectual property owners and brands, but essentially you were also helping creators. I mean, that was really your job is you were helping creators of some of the most recognizable and magnificent music ever created do more with their music and do more with their careers. Not only did you recognize there is a gap in bringing music into this emerging platform, but here you were meeting an entirely new class of creator. So if you could share a little bit about how you came to understand 
the importance of the creators in the Roblox community. And, and we can talk a bit about that because it's also been a significant source of inspiration and success for us at Super League. Yeah, I mean, I've always had the honor and privilege of working with artists intimately throughout my career. And it's very much a left brain leaning type of creature. Art and creativity lead and commerce sort of happens as a byproduct of the passion. And I saw that immediately in this creator community, similar to working with artists like managing someone like Joji, who's a completely massive creative output at all times and doesn't really think about the commerce of it. He's just has to get his art out. I saw a lot of similarities to the music artists as I started to meet the UGC creators on Roblox. Talented, pushing the boundaries of creativity and art and finding commerce quickly following. So the creator community inside Roblox has been responsible for somewhere in the neighborhood of about 40 million experiences that have been built on the platform since inception. The number might actually be higher. I think that might be a bit a bit outdated. The way that the environment works where you have a platform who has provided tools, anybody can use those tools, reminds me a lot of other platforms that have, of course, grown to be substantial in terms of creators building businesses and brands. The easiest example is YouTube, but you can effectively mention any social platform. All of those environments feature brands in a major way, and brands have been engaging on them for probably 10 years on average at this point. There's a question that a brand has to ask themselves every time they consider moving into a new platform. And in this case, they're moving into an immersive space, a three-dimensional space, a space where there's interactivity, a space where people are communicating in almost a different language. What do you think is the reason that creators and brands on this platform are such an important intersection, just as they have been on these other platforms I just referenced? I think that you have a, on Roblox in particular, you have a combination of this toolbox that was given out to users for free that was very robust and unique at the time that Roblox came to its inception and its community. And it was a very authentic offering. I think Dave Bazuki and the team that founded Roblox, it was a very, similarly to the creators that are on it, I think that they approached it from a very pure, we're going to create these tools, we're going to build a community and commerce will follow. And that sentiment was immediately felt and embraced by what started off as a handful of people multiplied and multiplied. So the spirit of that, I think, has really grown to million, you know, tens and millions of, of young people now. They've done a great job of keeping the purity of that. So now you have a generation of creators that are native to this platform as players. They know what they like. They know how they want to interact with their friends. And those that are interested to learn more and participate more can go into Roblox Studio. And it's a very 
easy entry point. Whereas like my kids can actually go in and build a game with the same toolbox that very robust professional development studios or commercial development studios like ours or or others in our community, it is the same toolbox. So you have this group of community developers. I think last I, you can keep me honest, but maybe it was like 2 million developers out there right now, maybe a lot more, but they're just constantly iterating in ways that they're coming together with their friends. There are no timelines, there's no rules, they're just building what they want. And it's a really beautiful platform and the output is fairly ridiculous. It ranges from following trends to referencing culture to being an extension of what we consider to be like core video games. It's just kind of an endless creative platform that these I call them kids. They're young people that have come from being native to the platform and then they become builders and they're the ones that are ruling the roost. Okay. So now I am marketing executive at a brand. We think of this a lot at, at Super League. I'm a marketing executive. I'm an agency that's trying to figure out how to engage young people. I understand there is an incredible audience, 66 million daily active users on a global scale. That's extraordinary. The highest concentration probably in the world of youth culture. So how do I engage that community? Is it is it important to work with an existing creator who is native to the platform? Am I going to try to create my own space Am I interested in a commercial partnership? Do I look at it as an awareness opportunity? You and I spend just about every day helping brands consider these questions. And so how can we talk about that here in a way that might be valuable to marketing executives who are, who are considering this platform? And how does it fit in their marketing mix? You brought up a lot of different entry points, which are all great. And I think that First and foremost, there has to be an education process about what is this platform and what are the entry points and where does a brand authentically sit? And, you know, as a CMO knows their brand better than anyone on the planet, they're going to also need to be able to give the tenants of what is the authenticity of that brand to creators and learn from the kind of feedback that they're going to get. I think that it's an exploratory process is probably the first step in really being able to answer that question of where do you begin? You need to do a little bit of research and really understand this platform and surround yourself with some experts. Okay. I'm going to pretend for our own benefit that we are some of the experts who a brand could surround themselves with, let's talk about one thing we might want to point out. You mentioned earlier that Roblox is a platform that responds to trends. Social media is, of course, notorious in not just responding to trends, but creating trends. TikTok probably is now the dominant platform for creating trends. It has been Instagram. Earlier, it was Facebook. YouTube can create trends. Is Roblox a, a trend creation platform? Is it a platform where trends need to be picked up and followed? If I'm Oreo 
and something happens in the Super Bowl, can I do something on Roblox the way that I did that on Twitter a couple of years ago? Yeah, absolutely. Roblox developers, it's kind of the same person, right? It's the same creator or content viewer on TikTok and YouTube shorts that's also playing or creating on Roblox. So they're a part of the flywheel of content creation. So we are seeing, I think one of the most recent massive trends was the Grimace milkshake at McDonald's and everyone was creating video content where they had basically been murdered and they had a Grimace milkshake all over them or whatever, whatever had happened there. We knew that this was going to happen within days of that trend starting. There were numerous Roblox games that emerged, some of them with audience bases of 10,000 unique concurrents at any given time, which results in like a million players a day on something like that. So sometimes we're seeing trends starting out of Roblox, but it really is just a part of the connection. It's like you'll see a trend start on TikTok and you very easily can look up that trend on Roblox and some kid out there has definitely made something to match it. Well, certainly I remember one of the biggest Netflix series, I think it was during COVID or maybe right after, of course, was Squid Games. Games. And yeah. one of the biggest games on Roblox was also Squid Game that was created right after the series took off. Right. And it was interesting. Everything sort of happens in its space. It was like Netflix had its moment, YouTube had its moment, and TikTok as well. It's right. all but you have to be moving really quickly and be able to jump on those trends. If that if you're a brand that also plays in that space, not every brand is relating themselves that closely to meme culture and riding the trend that hard. But if you are one of those brands, then you definitely can look at this platform as another means to uh for content distribution and uh, audience engagement. You know, I was talking to one of the Roblox executives we work with regularly just after the Barbie Heimer weekend. And she mentioned that because of the enthusiasm among younger generations, women in particular about Barbie, that the color pink had essentially taken over Roblox and that a number of creators had added pink content, pink assets, pink items into their games. And so clearly you're seeing that this platform has daily impact on what young people pay attention to and what they care about. In fact, we've done some of our own research and, and really looked deeply into a lot of the metrics that are available from other companies and research organizations, and 47% of Gen Z expects to encounter a brand first in an immersive environment before they encounter the brand in a real world. So if I were a marketing executive or when we you know, speak to an agency that is thinking about an advertising program and how to deploy resources to engage this elusive audience, it seems that Roblox and other immersive platforms are going to be an increasing priority. It is, it is such a dominant space in terms of time spent 
So when we talk to potential partners or when working with brands, I mean, you've now been responsible probably for bringing personally no fewer than 15 to 20 intellectual property owners and brands onto the platform. We talked about earlier, what do you think are the two or three or four entry points that a brand has to consider, assuming that they have become educated, they did their research, they understand it's important, they've made the decision, I need to be there. So I think that one of the challenges that we're facing as a commercial studio partnering with brands is that while we see 70 million daily active users on this platform, there's still a challenge in discovery. So we have to acknowledge that first and foremost. Some brands that have the strength in youth culture can look to explore creating their own dedicated space right out of the gate. But you really need to have done the groundwork on a cultural level to be able to start there. What we see often and what one of the methods that we like a lot is within this community of developers, they've made games that have hundreds of thousands, multiple millions of users a day coming into their experiences on Roblox. And we are helping navigate both the brands and the developers who really maybe have had very little experience in understanding how to work with a brand and bringing those two parties together. And what we're seeing is some really magical results of brands being able to reach a huge audience very quickly and the developers also being able to get the power of that brand being in their space from a financial perspective, from off-platform media dollars and on-platform media dollars pointing back into their game. So it's potentially a win-win for both sides. And that's that's a great way to start. An even smaller bite to take is doing something like a virtual goods line. And again, okay, great. You've made a virtual goods line. How are you going to reach the audience? So there are various tools, some of which Super League has the best in the world, to be able to start to reach that audience. And it's very stereotypical thing to say, like, crawl, walk, run, sprint. It's not a bad way to look at it. It's just, I think that it's really important for brands to do enough that they can start to get learnings from what they're doing. And... Another big part of all of this is how do you start to wrap data and being able to have quantitative results from the experiences that you're actually starting to bring into this world? I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Measurement comes up in every conversation. There is, especially at a time when brands and companies in general are being more careful about the expense line in their budget, it's important, it's critical to make sure that the money you're spending can be evaluated. You want it to be successful, but if you can't determine whether it's successful, it's pretty hard to decide to deploy it. So we were very fortunate in meeting a couple of young entrepreneurs a couple of years ago, and we acquired a company named Bloxbiz, and we've renamed that division of Super League Superbiz. They, at the time, were the 
leading young company in deploying a homegrown solution to help developers on the platform make money and measure results and host branded media. We have migrated that business into something that's much more mature and in fact have deprecated our homegrown media solutions in favor of Roblox's official ads called immersive ads in a terrific partnership recently announced. But what we learned by having that toolkit and seeing its successful deployment is that there is just a treasure trove of data to be gleaned from this environment, just about user behavior. You're not able to learn about the individual players themselves. It is a COPA compliant, kid safe environment, needs to stay that way. It's very locked down in that regard and will never change. But just learning how players navigate a three-dimensional space, what they're looking at, what they pay attention to, what causes them to take an action, at what point do they choose to talk to another player, at what point are they inspired to invite a friend to join them. Measuring all of that can be incredibly instructive for a brand in both thinking about how to be in this environment, but also seeing that in many ways, a lot of the behavior mimics behavior that happens in real life. If you're a retailer and you're noticing certain behaviors within a retail environment on Roblox, that can inform your physical retail strategy when it comes to encouraging young people to be in your store. Yeah, absolutely. Building on that, even the more tangible concept of engaging with people in these virtual spaces, like in Roblox, we actually, off the back of working with our longtime partner and client, Chipotle, they actually challenged us to say, okay, this world that you're building is great and it's creative. They had hired us to build a Halloween experience for them in Roblox during the pandemic when people weren't going out. And what they challenged us with was, okay, this is all great, but how do we get people to actually check out our physical product? That's most important to us. So we created a system where we could reward people for completing the game experience in Roblox and give them a way to redeem through Chipotle mobile app, getting a free burrito. And this is something that Chipotle normally would do in Halloween in story, dress up as a burrito and they would give that product away. Have you done that, by the way? Have you dressed up as a burrito? Did you have to do that as part of convincing them to let you do it for them in Roblox? Only in Roblox. <laughs> we made an avatar skin in the game where you could dress up as a burrito. Perfect. Yeah, I'll have to do that with my kids, though. Maybe that'll be our this year's Halloween costume. How about a company event? Everybody in the company in all of our remote locations. The goal is to is to be the burrito that gets the free burrito. Love it. But I mean, that ended up proving to be their second highest day of digital sales when we ran that promotion. So that's amazing. In the silver bullet of digital to physical experiences, that's sort of like the blue chip gold standard of how that, you know, that's a very 
quantifiable result and an ROI. You know, it's great that you point out the details of how that program came together because the Chipotle program is still held up by executives in this space as a gold standard. The opportunity to engage and attract and delight this young audience in an interactive environment and to turn that energy into activity in the real world that excites them is something that is very hard to achieve. It really doesn't exist in as powerful a way as that example in many other you know, digital spaces. And so I think the opportunities there are, are pretty remarkable. And, and I suspect that the notion of connecting the digital and physical worlds is only going to expand. And it makes sense to me because young people don't distinguish between their digital life and their physical life. It's just their life. Very true. Yes, at our generation, I'll, I'll use that word, even though it makes me sound older than I like to sound. The truth is we think of what we do on digital platforms as being distinct. And that's just not the case if you are under 25, probably under 30 or 35. It's all one space. Your friends live in a fluid way between those spaces. The brands you interact with live in a fluid way between those spaces. And so when you think about the power of that digital to physical connection, where might that go in the future? What kinds of ideas or strategies do you think brands, marketing executives, intellectual property owners, you know, should be considering? I think that in the immediate future, representation of your digital self, it's here right now. We are seeing a lack of interoperability at the moment, which is interesting. And when I say interoperability, I mean that you have all of these massive platforms. We've talked about Roblox a lot. We have talked about Fortnite at all, Minecraft very little. And then there's sort of the rest of the digital world from Meta to Web3 to emerging platforms like Rec Room. They all have the ability to have your digital identity. With the exception of the blockchain, for the most part, you can't take that avatar that you've spent all this time and, and oftentimes money making like the dopest rendering of yourself. You can't take that from Roblox to Fortnite. Like everybody's walled up here. So that's an interesting situation that we're going to see evolve over time. Either there's going to be more collaboration or we're just going to accept that like, this is what I look like here. This is my locker of skins over here. But then when you have the open world of development in Web3, you have the ability to take things with you. So that might actually steer where communities end up building because they don't want to be limited by anything. Is that really reflective in the way that you envision the future? Is that reflective of an opportunity for a brand to say to a consumer through an immersive experience, as you're creating the way you want to appear in platform A, environment B, interactive space C, we can actually help you augment that by choosing the way that you want to appear in the real world as well. Absolutely. And those 
connections and tie-ins can be made today. And I think that you kind of lean the conversation toward how does all of this build brand affinity and also these tools that we have available to us right now also allow us to continue that chain of loyalty and rewards to players that are interacting with brands and being able to communicate on these platforms. I don't want to make it sound like it's such a commercial experience, but brands do really need to look at how they're interacting with their audiences and being able to give things back at every step of the way. And that can be in-game and it can be real life, but Whatever it is that the brands are doing, and this is something that they can do today, but it's also something that I think is going to become more and more important as this space matures, it's, are you bringing something to the community that they like? Whether brands can bring to life, let's say, a concert that maybe could have never happened in any other way with an artist like Billie Eilish that is a one of one and in the physical world, if she's in Cleveland, you're not going to get to see her anywhere else in the world. Now we have a platform where everyone can come together and participate with that, but it does take means. So maybe that's where the brand can bring that heightened reward. Or we might see that, hey, by participating in all of these game experiences, this brand is going to be able to give you X, Y, and Z and you're participating here, and you have your discourse on Discord, and everything is sort of tied together, all of your different platforms. So I think that we're going to see much more connectivity between all of these platforms and how they are engaging and, and hopefully giving back to the community in ways that matter to them and they care about. Yeah, no, I think that's, it's really interesting. If you think about how brands have used social media, what are they giving to the communities on those platforms, right? They're, they're giving them information. They're giving them maybe something that entertains them. They're sometimes giving them means or mechanics that a consumer can use to get some sort of benefit from the brand. But what they're not able to do in other social platforms is provide an experience. You could say that a concert that's live streamed on YouTube or Twitch is an experience. I think of it as a live stream video. But if you as a brand can take that one step further and in an interactive platform, really connect with users who are being active, not passive. They're not passively watching a live stream. They're not passively consuming information. They're not passively being entertained. They're active. They're moving. I agree with you. It's different. And I think you know, we've seen the success, as you mentioned, we didn't talk a lot about Fortnite. We've seen the success of music experiences on Fortnite. Roblox, of course, has followed on that success and been able to bring incredible music experiences to life. I think it's going to be interesting to see what kinds of other experiences that mimic a real world experience end up appearing in these immersive platforms as the technology continues to advance. What does for instance, live sports start to look like on Fortnite and Roblox and Minecraft and in these other platforms. So with that in mind, as we take a lot of the knowledge that we've accumulated and that our colleagues have accumulated and that we've continued to learn from the other companies in this space who are doing 
really interesting and exciting things that are pushing the boundaries. If you could look out three to five years, what would you be telling a marketing executive or the owner of a top intellectual property that they should anticipate and start paying attention to now or start doing now that even if they're already in Roblox, they may not quite be thinking about? Well, first and foremost, I think that there is a philosophy that I feel pretty strongly about that's like, be here now. Be present in what's happening and understand that this space is changing so drastically that what happened in the last two and a half years that has basically been the span of my involvement in these platforms, I would equate it to 15 years or more of growth and change. So being able to look into the crystal ball, it's very difficult without participating in real time, figuring out your entry point, whatever that is from authentic place that your brand should be is extremely important. Have learnings. Don't expect everything to be perfect, except that this is an experimental space and give yourself some room to learn. And some things will work, some won't. But that's where we're at right now. That's the beauty of it. You might actually invent something that everyone does after you've played around a little bit. So I think that that's like the here and now. And where things go in the future, we know that, as you said, the digital space is completely native to Gen Z, Gen A, and probably the older demographic, one above it. And it's just going to continue to grow where there's really no distinction between your digital identity and your physical identity. And to be able to embrace that and understand that the ones and zeros have a value in the same way that the physical does, and that there's true enjoyment and appreciation of being in these virtual immersive spaces in the same way that people like to get together in person. So if you can keep that ethos with you as you're looking at all of these different platforms and the different communities that are emerging around them, get in there, experiment, be present and ride the waves as they emerge. Because I think that it's going to be very difficult to say, where is it going to be in three or five years, other than we know that this is a critical part of people's lives. And because of that, it's going to be everywhere all the time. I think that's a great summary statement and is backed up by some data that we already know, which is that the average community member within Roblox spends 2.4 hours per day on the platform. We know that there are between five and 600 million people per month who are spending time in immersive spaces created by their peers. These open gaming platforms, these platforms that allow for the creation of any type of experience, they have facilitated and fueled the fastest growing segment of the immersive space. If you accept that there are 3 billion people on the planet who play some type of game and spend time in some type of immersive platform, five to 600 million of them are in places created by peers and other participants in the ecosystem. I think it would be a safe bet 
that within three to five years, that number will double the five to 600 million. Maybe we'll have more than 3 billion people in immersive platforms as well, but the fastest growing space is going to continue to be these spaces that are created by the most imaginative and artistic and bold individuals who, as you said earlier, are not playing by any rules or any timelines or any parameters other than their own inspiration and imagination. And I think we would both agree that that's a place where a brand needs to spend time. It's a community that a brand needs to engage. And so being here now and anticipating that it's going to be an ever-increasing and critical audience segment and environment where they need to play a role and, and bring something of value is a safe bet. So Josh, thank you for spending all this time with us. I think we both have to get back to work. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to be here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for watching or listening to Beam. Please subscribe wherever you find your podcasts or wherever you watch your videos. We would love to hear from you and we will make sure we continue to bring you increasingly valuable information on how to win in the immersive web. Thank you.